One of the great blessings for those of us who believe the gospel is that one day, one day we get to live forever in a place called heaven. Revelation 21, if you want to jump to the end of the story, Revelation 21 describes heaven as a place where there is no sin or sorrow. Heaven is a place where there is no death or sickness. Heaven is a place of eternal joy and everlasting peace where God lives with us and we live with Him in perfect love and unity. But here's what we need to understand this morning. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven one day to begin experiencing the benefits of heaven right here, right now. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Some of us think of heaven only in terms of the sweet by and by, but the reality is heaven applies to all of us who have repented of our sins and put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Let me say it again. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven one day to begin experiencing the benefits of heaven right here, right now. The Bible's really clear. When we repent of sin and surrender to Christ, heaven comes to us. Oh, well, what are you talking? Well, all right, here we go. Ready? Follow me. The Bible says that our bodies become God's dwelling place. And wherever God lives, there you find heaven. It says, when we repent of sin and believe in Christ Jesus, that God gives us a new heart and He establishes His throne in it. The moment we believe the Bible teaches us, the moment we put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, all the benefits and advantages from living under God's rule begin to flow in our lives. So I want us all to understand here this morning that the kingdom of heaven isn't something that lies ahead of us out there in the future. The kingdom of heaven exists right now in the heart of every person who truly trusts in Christ alone for salvation. We're going to look at two parables today that teach us that we ought to value the kingdom of heaven above everything else. Above everything else. Nothing else can be more important to a follower of Christ than the kingdom of heaven and our place in it. The kingdom of heaven is our greatest treasure. It's what we're created for. We are created to live in the presence of God. We live with God. God lives with... This is exactly what we've been created for. To be separated from God destroys the purpose for which you were created. We've got to see the kingdom of heaven for what it is. The most important thing we could ever chase, the most important thing we could ever pursue, the most important thing we could ever gain and possess is the kingdom of heaven. It's what we're created for. It's the kingdom of heaven that gives our lives meaning and purpose. Without the kingdom of heaven, we have nothing. With the kingdom of heaven, we have everything. I want you to see the kingdom of heaven like that. I want to see the kingdom of heaven like that. Does it have first place in your heart? Is the kingdom of heaven your greatest treasure? You see, Jesus takes these parables. Man, He probes our minds and hearts and souls to see exactly what we believe about the gospel. 
He wants to set our thinking straight. That's why He gives us these little stories with such powerful heavenly meanings. He wants to make sure we understand what the Gospel says, what it means, and, our, and, our, and what our response to it ought to be. We've got to understand what the kingdom of heaven is because Jesus talks about that a lot in His parable. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Verses 44 through 46, and let's talk about this kingdom of heaven being our greatest treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let's pray. Lord, My only prayer this morning is that I don't get in your way. Use me as a messenger. Share through me this message of hope and change that needs to be shared. Take me out of it. Speak through me. But let me say only what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this room. That every heart right now would be opened. And we know that only you through the power of the Holy Spirit, can open our hearts. So I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you begin to pry open those hard hearts. And you would begin to speak life and truth into us. Let the gospel seed be planted in the fertile grounds of our hearts and minds so that our lives can reflect it and begin to reproduce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this moment that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in these, in these two parables, we have two different people, and that's the point of these two parables being, uh, being given to us together. Two different people being spoken of in these two parables. One man stumbles upon a treasure by accident. Another man, a merchant, actively seeks a treasure and then finds it. And that's the way it is with people who believe the gospel. Some people are just ambling along through life, unaware that they even need a Savior. Some of you in this room were probably just like this. You, you didn't even know you needed a Savior. You're just kind of meandering through life. But then you hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit convicted your heart. People like this then believe that Christ died to pay the penalty for their sins, that Christ rose again to make them right with God, and in response, they surrender their lives to Christ. And the gospel seed that's been planted in their heart begins to grow more and more, and it begins to produce the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, and all that you find in Galatians 5. And these people, maybe you who stumbled across the gospel accidentally, you find your whole life getting turned right side up, and you didn't even know it was upside down. Anybody in the house like that? The kingdom of God was something that, this, that, that, that was desperately needed, but they didn't even know how desperate they were for it until they received it. They just stumbled upon it by accident. And that's the way some people come into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, completely by accident. But then there's a whole other group of people and maybe you fall into this category 
Other people spend their whole life searching for truth and meaning. They know something's missing. They know there's a hole in their heart. And they try to fill that hole with one thing after the other. Maybe they try different religions. Maybe they try different kinds of pleasures. Maybe they try different kinds of experiences. Maybe they chase after money or a career. Maybe they're chasing after some kind of relationship that will complete them. But what they find is no matter what they try, nothing ever satisfies them. But they're on this endless quest for truth, for meaning, for something to fill the emptiness in their life. And then one day, one day, they hear the Gospel and their search for truth their search for meaning finally comes to an end. And God establishes His throne in their hearts. And God fills the hole in their hearts with His presence and love. Their search for what they've been missing is finally over. Maybe some of you fall into that category. Some of us come into the kingdom by accident. Some of us are on a quest and then we find it. I don't know how you came into the kingdom of God. But I do know this. If you're truly in the kingdom of God, boy, it has wrecked your life. Changed everything about you. Whether we stumble across the treasure by accident, or whether we spend our entire lives seeking it until we find it, we ought to do exactly what this man and this merchant did when they found their treasure. You see, they respond to the discovery of their great treasure the same way. And we ought to respond to the kingdom of heaven just like they did. What, how, what, what kind of response should we have? What should we do when we find life's greatest treasure, the kingdom of heaven? Here's what these guys did. Here's what we ought to do. Four simple little points I'm going to share with you. First, recognize the value of it. Second, Determine to get it. Third, sell everything you have to gain it. And fourth, personally acquire it. This is the point of this parable. If you see the kingdom of God for what it is, this is the way you're going to respond. Otherwise, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. First, recognize the value of the kingdom of God. Recognize the value of the kingdom of God. Recognize this treasure that God offers us by His grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We spend a lot of time, we spend a good deal of our lives evaluating the worth of things, don't we? And then we make our decisions based on what we consider to be more valuable. For instance, is the work I do, is my time spent at work, more valuable than the time I spend with family. And we make our choices about work and family time based on what we value more. Is a new car worth the price that dealer wants for it? How many of you found out those dealers think their cars are really valuable? And you're not so convinced. We're evaluating the worth of things all the time. Are my politics more important than this friendship? Is my favorite TV show more important than a Bible study? Is my child's travel team more important than his youth group? Oh, yeah, I'll get off that. I'll stop. 
mean, we make decisions all the time based on what we believe to be more valuable. The point of this parable is this. Nothing, nothing, say that word with me, nothing. Nothing Nothing is more valuable than the kingdom of heaven. It is life's greatest treasure. I'm going to point out to you just some, some, three of the benefits of the kingdom of heaven in your life. And it's a, it's, it's a list that could go on and on and on and on. Okay, study the Bible. It's full of benefits like this. But let me just point out three to you. First, in the kingdom of heaven, you gain peace with God. Peace with God. I want you to just say those three words. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we come into the kingdom of heaven, we find that we are at peace with God. Now, I don't, this is how it works. When you get peace with God, guess who else you get peace with? Yourself and others. Ask yourself this question. How many people do you know who would be willing to have just one day of peace in their life? If you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, you have peace with God, with yourself, and with others all eternity long. Some of you, not long ago, couldn't sleep at night because there was such a lack of peace in your life. But now when you lay your head on that pillow at night, boom, you're out like a baby. You tell me that's not priceless. Remember what it felt like to toss and turn? In my own personal, the older I get, the more I appreciate a full night's sleep. Just saying. Peace with God. What a sweet benefit. What about becoming a new person? When you come into the kingdom of heaven, you're made a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. When we come to Christ, the Bible says that we're born again by the Spirit of God. We're given a new heart. We're given a new nature. We're given a new purpose, a new direction. Our lives suddenly take on a new meaning. We get a new destiny. Let me ask you this question. How many people do you know would seize the opportunity to trade in their old, sin-stained, shame-filled life for a new and holy one if they could, if they thought it was possible? Well, here's, 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 here's the reality. We in the kingdom of heaven, we know it's more than just possible. We have experienced it and it's reality. We've been made new. That's priceless. Priceless. To be able to trade in your guilt and shame for a brand new heart that can walk and live in freedom? Priceless. Remember what it was like? You kept looking over your shoulder wondering when it was all going to catch up to you. In the kingdom of heaven, God takes care of all that. It's amazing. What about being part of a new family? You get a new family when you come into the kingdom of heaven. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, when you come into the kingdom of heaven, God becomes your father. I want a daddy like that. 
We're adopted into His family, the Bible says. Jesus becomes our elder brother. He becomes our best friend. We become brothers and sisters in the Lord together. And God brings us together in settings like this so that we can love and care for one another. Listen, man, when you come into the kingdom of heaven, suddenly you're given a brand new family. How many people do you know? They live like orphans. They live like orphans. They feel like orphans. They feel like they don't belong to anyone at all. They feel like they're all alone in this life. Well, when you come into the kingdom of heaven, you're never alone. Never. Some of you are finding out for the first time how wonderful it is to be part of a family that never rejects you, turns its back on you, embraces you in your good times and your bad times. That's who Christ has called us to be. Because God is our Father, Jesus is our brother, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts to wrap us up, keep us going. Listen, I'm telling you, kingdom of heaven, we could go on and on and on. You search the word for yourself and you're going to find out being part of the kingdom of heaven is a gift like no other. It is a priceless treasure. You've got to value it and see it for what it is. These lists of benefits that flow to us through the kingdom of heaven go on and on and on. It's life's greatest treasure. And you would think, now you would think, you would think that whether a person stumbles across it by accident or actively seeks it and then finds it, that they would immediately recognize its infinite value. You would think that, but we know what the reality is. Most people, most people just simply walk on by it, walk away from it, and they continue on living in their spiritual poverty and need. Guys, listen to me. Let that never be said of you and me. Let that never be said of you and me. Let us value the kingdom of heaven as our greatest treasure. Nothing else on hev in heaven or on earth compares to this priceless treasure called the kingdom of heaven. And let's maximize its benefits to our lives so that as we are blessed, we can be a blessing and represent the Lord Jesus Christ well on this earth. Listen, let's make sure Let's make sure the kingdom of heaven remains the number one priority in our life. Everything else coming second. Every, everything else coming second. And I'm talking, every, that's what Jesus said, right? If any man would come after me, let him leave father and mother. Whoa, 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 whoa. The kingdom of heaven is more important than your family. It's a hard word in this age. Well, we can talk about that later. That's another sermon coming up. All right. Jesus put it this way. We share this verse a lot. I believe it's one of those verses that you hang your hat on. I think this is one of those verses that ought to define your life and my life if we understand the kingdom of heaven to be our greatest treasure. Jesus said, seek first. Two words. Say it with me. Seek first. Say it again the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Keep first things first. God takes care of the rest. Some of you guys are finding that out for the first time. I hope that you continue to live that way the rest of your life. Second thing these guys did when they came across their treasure is the same thing we ought to do 
First, we recognize the value of the kingdom of heaven, this treasure. For, we, we recognize its value. Second, we ought to determine to get it. Determine to get it. Make up our minds. We will not, be, we will not settle for anything but the kingdom of heaven, determined to get it. You see, the man who accidentally stumbled across the treasure in the field determined to do whatever he needed to do to get that treasure. If it meant going to buy the entire field to get hold of that one treasure, he was going to do it. And by law, that's what he had to do. You come on my property and you find that I've left a, a chest of gold nuggets out in the yard, that chest of gold nuggets belongs to me. Now, if you want to buy all the property, you can have the chest of gold nuggets. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the guy did. He said, I will do whatever it takes to gain possession of that treasure. The, the guy who, uh, the merchant who was, who, who, who was searching for the, 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 the great pearl, he did the very same thing. He, he, he said, I'm going to get that pearl. I don't care what it takes. I intend to make that pearl mine. We ought to feel the same way about the kingdom of heaven. We ought to determine in our hearts, this is what I want. And I will do whatever is necessary to get it. I want to be in the kingdom of heaven and nothing is going to stop me. And just let me say this. I'm convinced of this. That if you are determined to have what the grace of God has provided us in Christ Jesus, you can be sure that God is willing for you to have it. You're gonna, you need to go home and, and, and meditate over that little statement, if you will. I'm going to say it one more time. It's in the, write it down. It's on, the, it's on the slide, yes. If you are determined God says, seek me and you'll find me. Seek me. See, some of you are on the outside and you haven't really made up your mind, I want what God has for me. Maybe you haven't yet recognized the value of it. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But I am telling you, God is willing to give you whatever He has promised you in Christ Jesus. Seek Him, you'll find Him. If you are determined, to have what the grace of God has provided you in Christ Jesus, you can be sure that God is willing to give it to you. You can have from God whatever you are determined to have. Here's the but. You've got to be willing to come to God for it in God's way. Sometimes we want what God has for us, but we want it on our terms. You go ahead and try to negotiate a contract with the Lord of the universe and see how that goes for you. There's no negotiation with God. He lays out the terms and we just say, yes, sir. If you want what God has, those are the terms. Do it His way. Come to God His way and He will be willing to give you what He has, he has uh, made possible for us in Christ Jesus. That means you've got to give up your self-righteousness and trust in Christ alone. That means that you have to come to God on His terms, that you've got to repent of your sin. You have to put your faith in Christ and then the greatest treasure, the kingdom of heaven, becomes yours. Psalm 84.11, the psalmist writes and says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Listen, no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
God wants to give you His very best, but He's going to give it to you on His terms. Have you made up your mind, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get what God has for me? God wants to give you His very best. He wants you to enjoy all the benefits that, uh, that are rightfully, rightfully yours as a blood-bought citizen of heaven. Are you determined to have it? Which brings us to the third thing these guys have in common. When they, whether they stumbled across the treasure, whether they searched for it and found it, these guys were willing to sell everything to get it. They recognized the value of the treasure. They determined that they were going to get it no matter what it took. And then they were willing to sell or sacrifice everything they had to secure it. I want to be clear as we get started here. Because there's a fallacy in our churches today that says I can earn my way into heaven, I can be good enough, I can give enough money, and it clears a pathway to heaven that nothing could be further from the truth. Salvation cannot be bought. And salvation cannot be earned. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So I don't want anyone walking out of here today thinking that if you give enough money or if you do enough good deeds that God is going to make you a citizen in His kingdom. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a gift of grace. Say gift. Gift. If I were to give Mary here a gift of my phone, here's a gift, Mary. The only way she can get the gift is to accept it and receive it, right? Now give it back, Mary. Thank you. She didn't earn it. It was a gift. That's what a gift is. So I'm not trying to say here that we can sacrifice you know, whatever, and God says, well, you're good enough, come on in. No, it's a gift of faith. The point here is this. The point here is that we should be willing to renounce everything in our lives that might be a hindrance to receiving the kingdom of heaven. In another passage of Scripture, which I don't have listed here, maybe we can talk about it later, Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It'd be better to go into the kingdom of heaven with one arm. Right? That's the idea that's here. Be willing to sacrifice, renounce, sell everything you've got if it's going to hinder you from coming in to the kingdom of heaven. We've got to let go of everything that might prevent us from, from God, that might prevent God from sitting on the throne up in our hearts as our king. Let me point out two areas in particular. I just got to throw these out. That means that some of us need to let go of our foolish pride. Some of us need to let go of our foolish pride. There's some people sitting here in this room, I meet them all the time, and I imagine some, some of them are in this room, who would say, I don't need God, man. I don't need God. I'm a good person already. I, you know, I, I, I do my best to keep the Ten Commandments. God's okay with that. I'm doing okay on my own. Haven't taken a drink in two years. Well, that's really, really cool. But my friend, this is what you need to realize. You're a spiritual beggar like all the rest of us. 
You need a Savior like everybody else in this room, everybody else that draws breath. Your goodness doesn't even get you, give you the, the freedom to knock on the door of the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah 64 said this, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our, our sins sweep us away like the wind. Let go of your foolish pride. You can't come into the kingdom of God holding on to your self-righteousness. You've got to be willing to let it go, to cut it loose. Don't let your foolish pride keep you from experiencing the kingdom of heaven. You need a Savior like the rest of us do. Get rid of that self-righteousness. Get rid of that foolish pride. Humble yourself and surrender your life to Christ. And then let God take His rightful place on the throne of your heart. These guys were willing to sell everything. Willing to sacrifice anything to gain the treasure. We need to also let go of sinful pleasures. And I'm using old terms here. I, I can't figure out a better way to say it. Foolish pride, sinful pleasures. I want you to understand something. God gives us all things to enjoy. We need to understand that. We've been gifted with the ability to experience enjoyment and pleasure. And God has given us all these things to enjoy, even the things that sometimes we, we don't even want to talk about in church like sex and stuff. These things have all been given to us to enjoy within the framework of God's commands and boundaries. But what we do is we take things that we're only supposed to enjoy and they become idols to us. Let's make it clear up front. If you want to come into the kingdom of, of heaven, if you want to experience life and life to the full as Christ promises, you can't say you love Christ when something else is dominating all your time, energy, and emotion. You can't do it. This is our problem. We want to come into the kingdom of heaven holding on to something we ought to completely let go of because it's preventing us from really getting in the door. And let me just say this, those of you that are already in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to find out, you probably already have, that there are things that you brought into the kingdom of heaven. God keeps tapping you on the shoulder saying, time to let go. Time to let go. Want to go deeper? Time to let go. Want to go further? Time to let go. Jesus says in John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I know, man, in our culture, in our church culture especially today, this sounds like it's really too demanding. Sweet Jesus would never require anything like that of me. Oh, yes, He will. And yes, He does. If anyone would come after me, he says in Luke, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Not just a one-time prayer at the age of eight at a kid's camp, daily. 
and follow me. Listen, the value of foolish pride, the value of sinful pleasures, they pale in comparison to the benefits of God's kingdom. So don't let them or anything else keep you from the kingdom of heaven. Get rid of it. Be willing to sacrifice it. Give it away. Sell it. Whatever you got to do to gain the kingdom of heaven. Missionary Jim Elliott said this about those who truly appreciate the kingdom of heaven. He's, I, love, I love this statement. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Some of you are hanging on to some, some things. You, would, you know, I, I see people all the time. God offers them a, a tremendous gift. Hang on to that pen real tight. Hang on to that pen real tight. God offers them this tremendous gift, man. Life-changing, kingdom of heaven, priceless, infinite value gift. He can't get it into our hands because we've grabbed, we've grabbed onto something that's so worthless, of no value, and we're holding onto it so tightly. The only way we can get this gift is to what? Let go. Take it. We're hanging on to things that in the grand scheme of things have no value whatsoever, and I'm not going to start clothesline preaching. That's, up, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. There are issues in your life right now. You guys, stop clenching your fists. Let God give you what He wants to give you. All right. Let me get back on track here. So, the kingdom of heaven priceless treasure. We have to recognize the value of it. We have to determine to do whatever it takes to get it. We have to be willing to sell or sacrifice everything in order to gain it. But there's a fourth thing these guys did when they came across their treasure. And you've got to see this because it has such a, a powerful application to your life. They personally acquired it. They personally acquired it. Yes, they saw the value. Yes, they determined to get it. Yes, they were willing and did sacrifice everything in order to gain it. But then you see them actually take possession of it. You see, both the man who accidentally stumbled across the treasure and the merchant who searched for and found the pearl personally made it their own. They personally acquired it. They personally took possession of it. We've got to do the same thing with the kingdom of heaven. If we recognize the value of the kingdom and want it, each of us has to personally take possession of it. People aren't saved in groups. Each of us is saved as an individual by grace through personal faith in Christ Jesus. People in the recovery community understand this really well. Whole groups of people don't recover together. Each individual person recovers from their addiction. And together, the group might experience some growth and change, but it's not in a, it's a personal decision that affects the group. You're not saved by grace through faith as a group. 
You have to personally acquire the kingdom of heaven for yourself. You aren't saved because you come from a Christian family or background. You aren't saved because you attend this church or another. You aren't saved because you're in MSP. You're, not, you're, you're, you're saved by personally placing your faith in Christ Jesus who suffered and died in your place so that you might be reconciled to God. I, I, I don't think any, anything could be clearer than what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. And I want us to read this passage of Scripture together. And I want you, as we go along, to emphasize the underlined words. All right, let's read it together. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. How much more personal could He make it? It's not a we thing, W-E. It's a you and me thing. You have to personally possess the kingdom of heaven. You can't ride someone else's coattails into the kingdom of heaven. You get that? Some of you are trying to do that, to be perfectly honest with you. You're trying to ride the coattail of your sponsor. You're trying to ride the coattail of your pastor. You're trying to ride the coattail of your mom, your dad, your grandmother. You can't do that. You've got to choose the kingdom of heaven for yourself. It's a personal decision. There are three elements I want to point out to you for saving faith. I'm going to point these out real quickly. You can go home and meditate on them if you want. Three elements. First of all, there's an intellectual element where a person recognizes the truths of the gospel. Man is a sinner. Jesus is the Son of God. Come in the flesh to die for the sins of mankind on the cross. And through repentance and faith, we can be saved. Those are the truths of the gospel. There's an, a lot of us know that. In our, I spoke to a man, to a, to a man this morning. He said, I always believed in God. I always knew there was a God. So there's an intellectual component to saving faith. There's also an emotional component to it. When a person is drawn to the gospel's beauty and power, and there is something beautiful about the gospel when it's expressed clearly. An image of God taking on the sins of the world and dying for you and me, those are the kinds of things they make movies about, write books about. As a matter of fact, every great story has some kind of element of sacrifice in it. One person doing something for another at great cost. So there's an emotional component to this faith as well, but it can't stop there. Some of us are moved when we sing the songs. It can fill our eyes with tears even. But there's another element that has to be in place for faith to do what faith is supposed to do when it's placed in the Gospel, and that's change your life. And that's the volitional element. Your will. That's where a person chooses and commits to the Gospel with all of their heart and surrenders their life to it. And I believe that's where some of you are this morning. You've got it up here. You even feel it in the moment. 
But I think some of you right now, you got to choose to embrace it and live it out. That's what saving faith is. That's the only way you can enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to personally take hold of it. Personally embrace it. I, I, I don't know where each of you is at in this process. I, I don't know what elements of faith already exist in your heart and mind. But until you commit to the Gospel, until you surrender your whole life to it, you'll never be in personal possession of the Kingdom of Heaven. That decision is in your hands. Michael, would you come back? I'll tell you, let's just do this. <laughs> God wouldn't let me write a conclusion to this sermon. I tried and I couldn't figure out how He wanted me to end it, so I'm just going to do what He leads me to do this, this morning. I, I just want each one of us right now, as best we can, to get alone with God. Would you close your eyes? Would you, would you close your eyes and just try to shut yourself in with God? Don't think about the person that's sitting beside you, behind you, and back of you just as best you can. Focus on the Lord. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us this morning, and He wants to speak to us as individuals, not as a group. I believe Some of you realize for the very first time that God is offering you a gift of infinite value. He is offering you the kingdom of heaven. He is offering through His shed blood He is offering through His shed blood a way for you to be reconciled to God. Have peace with God. Peace with yourself. Peace with others. He'll show you the way of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And as He establishes His throne in your life, you will come to know peace. Peace that this world can't give and this world can't take away. He's offering you the Kingdom of Heaven this morning. In the kingdom of heaven, you become completely brand new. It begins on the inside. He gives you a new heart, a new spirit. A new way of seeing things. A new way of experiencing things. A new perspective. He changes you from the inside out. He helps you shake off those habits that you know have enslaved you for way too long. He lets you, helps you develop the character of Christ in your life gives you love and joy and peace, patience and kindness, goodness, self-control. He gives you things you never thought you could have. Helps you become this new person, conformed to the image of Christ.
and he gives you a new family in the kingdom of heaven. He's offering you all this and much, much, much more. But you've got to understand the value of it. You can't feel entitled to it. You're a sinner and a rebel and you don't deserve it, but He gives it to you anyway because of His love for you and His desire to bring you into His family and make you His own. I think the Spirit of God is offering you the kingdom of heaven this morning through Christ Jesus. And I'm asking you to take an honest look at it and see its infinite value to your life. It changes everything. It changes everything. There's nothing, nothing like it. I'm a witness. I'm a witness to the reality of its glory and power. And there are others. There are others here in this room. And you've kind of grown cold in your walk with the Lord. And the kingdom of heaven no longer has its place of priority in your life. And your heart has been captured by the affection of other things. Your attention has been drawn away from the king. And you've placed your attention on other things. Career, money, family, entertainment. But maybe today the Spirit of God is drawing you back to your first love. To your highest priority. Jesus Christ and His kingdom. All I know is this. The Lord wants time to speak to your heart. He wants to give you time to respond to His Word. So for just a moment, just a moment, get alone with the Lord as best you can. And let Him speak to your life. Let Him speak to your heart. In a couple of minutes, Micah and John are going to be able to lead us in some worship. And at that moment, these altars will be open. And you can come as you feel led. If you want someone to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to do so. There are others in this room that you may trust to pray with you as well. Feel free to bring them with you. But this is a very personal decision that each one of us needs to carefully consider and make for ourselves. Do I want this greatest treasure for myself? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to lay hold of it, to know it, to have it for myself? Father, have your way in this room. Spirit of God, move in our hearts. Take over. Take control.